0: Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you have given us grace to acknowledge the glory of the eternal Trinity by the confession of a true faith and to worship the unity and the power of the divine majesty. Keep us steadfast in this faith and defend us from all adversities. For you, O Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, live and reign one God now and forever. The Old Testament reading for the Festival of the Holy Trinity is from Isaiah, chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. This has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. This is the word of the Lord. You, God. The epistle is from Romans chapter eleven. O oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, and how inscrutable his ways, for who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him, and through him, and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the third chapter. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father, and from our risen and ascended Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Dear Saints in Christ Jesus, today we ponder and we celebrate the greatest of God's mysteries, the truth of his triune nature. In other words, today we celebrate the truth of who God is and how he has revealed himself to us. One God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As we confessed in the Athanasian Creed, the Catholic faith is this, that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confusing the persons nor dividing the substance. Now that word Catholic simply means that this is what the true church of all times and all places has confessed. It's a fascinating thing to me that our Christian ancestors spent centuries digging deeply into Holy Scripture in order to clearly and faithfully confess the truth of the Trinity. Christian bishops, pastors, and theologians from throughout the world poured themselves into deep study of the Hebrew Old Testament and Greek New Testament, being careful to not misunderstand what God has revealed about himself in his Holy Word. All three Christian creeds are faithful to Holy Scripture. However, it is the Athanasian creed that grows into the greatest detail of uh, to confess the mystery of God's self-revelation, great care was taken in choosing just the right words so that every detail of God's revealed essence and nature are clearly articulated, faithfully borne witness to. And what drove such study? What moved these men to live and breathe God's word in such a way that they met in separate councils that spanned centuries? They wanted to know and confess God rightly, and they wanted to combat false teaching. And all of this for the sake of the church and the sake of the world. Thanks be to God. Well, compare the diligent study of our spiritual ancestors to us today, and, well, you might feel a little sheepish. We come to Trinity Sunday, and what is set before us is a priceless inheritance of the church, a faithful and detailed confession of who God is and what he has done for our salvation, and all of it from the truth of Holy Scripture Some of you are excited to confess the Athanasian Creed on Trinity Sunday, but many look at this historic confession of the faith and think, wait a minute, what? Huh? Why is it so long? What is all this about? Well, in short, it's about knowing and confessing the one true God rightly, faithfully. Today, our zeal and excitement for such a clear confession is lacking when compared with our spiritual forebears of centuries past, but... Don't get me wrong, I don't expect any of you to run out and take up the study of Biblical Greek or Hebrew just for fun, although such study would be admirable and it would be worthwhile. My point is this, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has moved heaven and earth to save you, to create you, redeem you, to make you holy in his sight. He has revealed himself to you in his holy word and he has blessed you with grace upon grace in his holy sacraments. Therefore, as his beloved children, born of water and the Spirit, let us hear his word, and let us know him all the better. You know, dear saints, the ironic thing about getting to know God from his word is that you actually get to know yourself in the process as well. Now, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we somehow become God. That's not it at all. That is what many pagans believe today, and in fact, there are false religions that teach that the divine is in everything, and so then, therefore, everything is divine. That's not what I'm talking about, and that's not what the Holy Scriptures teach us. What I mean is this. The more you learn about the one true God who created all things, the more you learn about yourself as his creation. In his word, God teaches us that he created us by the power of his spoken word. And that in the beginning all things were good, even very good. Mankind and all of God's creation was perfect and holy. But as you well know, things did not stay that way. Adam and Eve were tempted by Satan and fell into sin, which brought death with it. God revealed his love for humanity by pronouncing a curse to Satan that was a promise to us. That the seed of the woman would one day crush the head of the ancient serpent, Satan, setting us free from sin, death, and Satan's power. As generation after generation were born, lived, died, God repeated it and kept his promise to send a Savior. Through worldwide flood and recreation, the rise and fall of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God kept his promises. Israel, God's chosen people, was in bondage to Egypt and then, at the hand of Moses, by plague and Passover, set free from Egypt and led through the Red Sea and wilderness of Sinai. All the while... Despite Israel's constant unfaithfulness, God was faithful. One particular episode involving a bronze serpent lifted up on a pole is of particular importance for us today because Jesus reveals the Father's plan for himself and also for the world by pointing to that event. Speaking to Nicodemus, Jesus said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. All throughout Scripture, we see God revealing himself as holy, righteous, faithful, and loving. All throughout Scripture, we see ourselves as unholy, unrighteous, unfaithful, and very much unlovable. In fact, Isaiah echoed that today in the reading for the Old Testament. Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. And yet the God, the love that God has for us, it is not born out of our worthiness, It is born out of his fatherly divine goodness and mercy. For this is how God loved the world, that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God reveals himself by giving himself for our salvation. St. Paul writes, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And St. John teaches us, saying, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. To know the one true God by faith is to see and to know and to grasp what He has done for us. God the Father is our Creator who made us. God the Son is our Redeemer who bought us with His holy precious blood and His innocent suffering and death on the cross. God the Holy Spirit is our sanctifier who makes us holy before God by word and sacrament, taking all that Jesus won for us on the cross and giving it to us in his chosen means of word and sacrament. One God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This one true God has given himself for your salvation, your forgiveness, your eternal life. In another bit of irony, it is the contemplation of God's mystery and glory that leads us not into confusion, but rather into praise. And the words of St. Paul in our epistle today reveal this. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. When we dig deeply into God's word, into his self-revelation, The Holy Spirit strengthens faith and moves us to prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. This truth is captured in the introit that we chanted earlier from Psalm 8. O Lord our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth! You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. Blessed be the Holy Trinity and the undivided unity. Let us give glory to him, for he has shown mercy unto us." As I mentioned at the beginning of the sermon, the motivation behind the creeds, the apostles, Nicene and Athanasian, was to confess God rightly and to combat false teaching. Until Christ returns, there will always be a need to confess God rightly and combat false teaching. Even though he is a defeated foe, The devil is always seeking to lure us away from the one true God. Hence the importance of knowing God's word and holding to it steadfastly. The teaching of the Holy Trinity is a divine mystery. What this means is that we will never fully understand and comprehend it on this side of glory. Rather, we simply take God at his word. This is how he has revealed himself to us. But this mystery of the Holy Trinity should not cause you to stumble in faith. There are other mysteries we accept by faith as well, one of which we confessed earlier also in the Athanasian Creed, the incarnation of Christ as true God and true man, and then also we confess the real bodily presence of Christ Jesus in the Lord's Supper. How is it that we know these things to be true? Because the one who spoke them in his word has revealed to us in the whole world that he is God. Jesus the Christ rose from the dead on the third day. Folks, I don't know about you, but that just doesn't happen every day. People do not just rise from the dead here, there, and everywhere. When people die in this world, they stay dead, but not Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything. Because Christ is risen, we know all he said and did was true. Because Christ is risen, we know he is God, and all he taught about the Father and the Spirit is true. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the great resurrection chapter of the Bible, St. Paul teaches us the significance of Christ's resurrection. I'm going to share a portion of that chapter with you. St. Paul writes, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God, But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Now in the next section, he continues and really digs into the truth of the resurrection. St. Paul writes, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Dear saints in Christ Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we believe in the one true God, the only true God there is. There are no others. Sure, there are fakes and unworthy substitutes. Sinful human hearts are always seeking to worship anything but the one true God. This is how our corrupted human nature works. We needed God to save us. We needed God to fulfill his own holy ten commandments because we could never keep them perfectly in thought, word, or deed. We needed God to die and rise for us, and he has done all of those things. As our Lord said on the cross, it is is finished, fulfilled, accomplished. All that was necessary for the forgiveness of your sins, Jesus accomplished it. All that was necessary for your salvation from death and hell, Jesus accomplished it. Remember, this is how God loved the world, that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You are saved. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has saved you. He claimed you as his own in baptism, and he marked you with his own triune name. He set you apart for eternal salvation. He has filled you with his Holy Spirit. The one true God is with you and for you. Day in and day out, he provides your daily bread, and he upholds you with his word and spirit. His word is true, his promises are real. And at the proper time, he will return and reveal himself fully to you and all the world. As we confessed, at his coming, all people will rise again with their bodies and give an account concerning their own deeds. And those who have done good will enter into eternal life, and those who have done evil into eternal fire. This is the Catholic faith. Whoever does not believe it faithfully and firmly cannot be saved. Although the close to the Athanasian Creed may trouble you, as it does so many each and every year, There is really no need to worry. Those who have done good are those who have faith in Christ, for faith in Christ is the ultimate good, and even that gift of faith is something that God gives to you by his spirit. Those who have done evil are those who reject Christ as Savior, for rejecting Christ as Savior is the one unforgivable sin. It is the ultimate evil in God's sight. Therefore, you and all believers in Christ can rest in what Jesus has accomplished for you. There's nothing left undone. It is finished. Jesus has done it all for you in his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. Salvation is God's free gift to all who trust in Christ as Lord and Savior. By the working of the Spirit through the gospel, you trust in Christ and you rejoice in his mercy and love. And in just a moment... The living Christ himself, Jesus himself, will again come to you in and under bread and wine as he has faithfully promised to do until his return on the last day. He comes not to threaten, not to frighten, but to forgive, to bless, to strengthen, and to console you. The one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is your God, and he is for you. He is the God of your salvation, and you belong to him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, For an ever-growing understanding of the depths of God's riches, wisdom, and knowledge through his word, that we may glorify him forever, let us pray to the Lord. For the missionaries of our church as they go to the ends of the earth with the gospel, that many may hear of God's love in Christ Jesus and be saved through faith in Him, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, For faith to believe that since the Lord has given us new birth through holy baptism, we truly are His children and will not be abandoned to Hades, but will see eternal life in His kingdom, let us pray to the Lord. For Joseph, our president, Michael, our governor, and all whom God put in authority over us, that the Lord, enthroned as king forever, would bless them with wisdom, humility, and understanding, that truth and justice may prevail in our land and lawlessness may be kept at bay. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For Michael Pete, John Brenneman, Vanessa Burmester, Charlotte Locke, Ron Lyon, Bob Rash, Erlene Lakey, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips, and all who suffer in our midst, that the Lord of hosts would uphold them in the truth that since he is at their right hand, they cannot be shaken, and that he would gladden their hearts, cause their tongues to rejoice, and make their flesh dwell in hope. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. That since there is no gift by which our Lord might be repaid, God would accept our humble offerings brought in thanksgiving for his benefits. Let us pray to the Lord, Lord For all who commune, that by Christ's cleansing body and blood on our lips, our guilt may be taken away and our sin atoned for, that we would not be lost but abide in His holy presence forever. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Hear us, Heavenly Father, for the sake of Christ Jesus our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.